Welcome to Orange is the New Cast. It's the officially unofficial podcast for Netflix's hit Orange is the New Black television series. I'm your host, Aaron, and joining me this week is... All right. All right, fine. I admit it. I'm sick of the way you're staring at me. I killed all of the other female co-hosts so that I could be the only one on Orange is the New Cast. <laughs> it's a Highlander situation. It was <laughs> it a pretty bad... At- and only Cecily. The- Thank you so much for pitch hitting at the last minute because uh, we had a couple scheduling snafus Mm -hmm. uh, with some of the other ladies and uh, you are a hardworking person. You keep down a full-time job. You are now officially as of Wednesday night clocking in more podcasts than Jim this week. (laughs) So (laughs) thank you for for all of your service to the Bald Move Empire. As Red said to Healy. You basically give me no choice. <laughs> There's only one coin you have left to spend, <laughs> and that's your microphone and podcasting skills. Hey, this week we're talking about this episode. We're talking about number 306, Ching Chong Chang. And this is the one where we get the backstory of the Cherry Chong. Or Cherry Chang. Cherry Chang. All right. Uh, get the Chang backs. They're not as quite as catchy as the flashbacks. Do you backs. like Chang backs or do you like flash Changs? Ooh, I like the Chang back. I don't really like either. Yeah, they kind of suck. Yeah. The Chang flashbacks. Uh, but uh, yeah, we're gonna talk about that. What did you think of this episode? I thought this episode was good. The episode itself, mm-hmm. I don't know, is more just like setting us up for the. F- pins to fall but i like knowing more about chang herself yeah i thought she was a very interesting mysterious woman in the way that there's she's just a gruff old lady who's having none of your shit Mm -hmm. but then they gave her this really sad backstory and uh is it sad or is it awesome i think it's sad how's that awesome i mean she's she's a criminal underworld power broker lady She's like, you know, if she hadn't gone to ch- if she hadn't gone to prison, she could have been the old gangster lady from Daredevil. Well, she's still sad. Oh, so, okay. Well, the old is gangster she? lady. She, seems... she absolutely is. Huh. The man that her brother tried to sell her to would refuse to have her. Yeah. So she's only good for doing Charlie work in mm. his shop. And she's good at being invisible, which is how she got into the situation she was in. But she also became the leader of their underworld bear gallbladder-based economy. Yeah, a position I feel like she was forced into. Yeah. Not forced so much as a position, the best position she could get with what she has. All right. Because t- like that man said, you're ugly and no one will ever want you. And she agreed with him. So she's she, as well as everyone who talks to her, mm-hmm. has put her entire worth into how she looks. Mm-hmm. And what she can offer a man. Hmm. So I feel like that was the, her her lot in life. I mean, I feel like she should have more self-confidence than that. Mm-hmm. But how do you build self-confidence if everyone around you is telling you that that's all you're worth? Is you think she, she lacks like. self-confidence? That's, hmm. yes. that's weird because I got a lot of different take uh, than you. <laughs> I... My problem with this episode, well, so we've had two episodes in a row to feel like it's kind of the calm before the storm or the setup before the knockdown. Yeah. Um, my problem with this flashback is that to the extent that Chang kind of operates in her own little world, and they mm-hmm. made that painfully clear in this episode that mm-hmm. she literally does. You know, she's completely isolated and she doesn't really have friends with anybody to prison. I found out a lot more about her, but I didn't have any burning questions. Like, how did she get to be the way she is? She was just this enigmatic, gruff old lady, as you said. Yeah, you're right. We didn't need it. I'm, I'm not even saying it just didn't have the emotional payload as some of the other character backstories have. And also, there was no other hook where I feel like, okay, I got the first half of the story. Now I'm going to wait for the next half of the story. I feel like that... You know, I, and I wonder if that's going to be a problem moving forward if they just randomly grab, oh, this woman who's been in the background, let's pull her out and give her a backstory. Is that going to be interesting to us? Because to me, what's interesting about these prisoner backstories is plugging in what we found out versus what we know and how this affects our view of them and their relationships. With her not having any relationships and no preconceived notion of her, it didn't have as, as big an impact on me. 
Maybe this is setting her up to play a bigger part later in the season. We shall see. Because I haven't seen the rest of the season. <laughs> or in the future. I don't know. You're a talented podcaster, but a bad liar. I've, I honestly, it just made me sad. I like, I like Chang as a character. Um, I don't know, like you said, I don't know how this plays into the story at large, mm-hmm. but I feel like they're just trying to get everyone involved, All show right. everyone's backstory. And shall we get, you know, what makes me sad? What? Seeing a chubby guy have a meltdown at a donut store. Because he's confronted with the bullshit that is red velvet donuts. Red velvet cupcakes, to be specific, and cream cheese frosting is my favorite thing. It tastes like Play-Doh. Defend that. It does not. I think he's wrong. I I thought it was a very weird rant because... He's just one of those people who just bucks against the system because they don't like change. Yeah. Maybe that's exactly the point they're trying to make. Huh. Is that he is upset that they're losing their jobs and he's taking it out on the donut guy. Hmm. He does seem like he's got strong opinions on the the red velvet donut though. I don't like here's the thing. I don't donuts like any I don't like cake donuts. Job. I don't like cake donuts. Metaphor is a metaphor. Red velvet donuts are a metaphor for the job openings. Mm. So Caputo eating one later, mm. a donut that's not his. That's that's a tasty analogy. Yes, it is. So like the full-time job he had was a nice glazed fresh out of the oven Long yeast drawn. donut. Long yeah. Cream filled or jelly filled. This part-time no benefits bullshit is the red velvet. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think we've uh we've cracked the code because that is indeed uh O'Neill and his partner Edna Kroflowski, I think is her name, uh, discovered... I, she's so forgettable. I mean, the character, not, but I'm sure I've heard her name a million times. Sure. Probably a couple times in this episode. I even tried to read her shirt. Uh, I just, I cannot catch her name. Mm. Anyway, yeah, she finds out in the newspaper that they're hiring part-time Litchfield prison guards, which... I, were they holding out hope that their hours were cut and they just were going to staff the prison part-time? Like, I... I I don't know. I mean, they're trying. Maybe Caputo's been selling them a whole bunch of gas about all oh, this is just temporary until things get figured out, or but he, like he probably is doing absolutely that because he probably doesn't know. Yeah. I don't think that Caputo is the one that put the ad in the newspaper. Oh no, he's clearly caught by surprise. It'll be but you know, when they bring it up to him, he has to pretend like he knows, and it's for the greater good. Yeah. So uh, we get some new blood in this episode uh, in the form of Lawless from Chicago. We we so saw her in the. Blood. Old New Blood. Old New Blood. We saw her in uh, Chicago last year when Piper was shipped up there to give her deposition or give her testimony against Kubra mm-hmm. that she flip-flopped on. Um, and Pentatucky's jabbering the whole time about free market capitalization and how, thank God, this prison's been privatized and how happy she is that she has a free exercise of the Christian religion, which is essentially telling people what to do all the time. And if they get mad, tell them they're hurting her feelings. And they can't do that because it's against the law. Which, um, the perks of being a white Christian. It's 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 kind of surreal to hear her say that in lieu of the last few months. Um, but anyway, uh, I do love her pep, pep talk about family when she's like, "And don't hey, if nobody comes visit, it's not because they don't care about you. It's just because they're very busy, but they, they still love you, no matter what." <laughs> <laughs> Thought that was really funny, sad, and Lolly cannot believe how nice this place is, which. I get, you know, the Chicago federal prison was a hellhole. Was it maximum security? It was something, but it had like, you know, or like was she's it just Chicago. I think it was like, yeah, it seemed like it was max. I, it may have been max because, because the one men. dude was a rapist yeah. and a yeah. murderer. Yeah. But we do know that there's murderers in this prison. So, but I guess the murderers are older people. I'm just saying, I don't think that they would have men and women in a prison that closely together if there weren't maximum security involved. I could be wrong. Yeah. But just everything about it told me that it was. It's pretty bad. The, the bunk stacked four deep, I think it was. Mm-hmm. There was. It was bad. As Lolly said, uh, I've been here five minutes and no one has screamed. So that's <laughs> that, that's that sounds like a breath of fresh air. <laughs> Uh, Chang walks in on Alex and Piper talking over flossing, and they're kind of bitching about their jobs, uh, digging holes and sewing panties, respectively. Mm-hmm. 
And they start noticing Chang doing tongue exercises and brushing her teeth with Epsom salt, which I'm guessing is a thing. Epsom salt? I thought it was just salt. Oh, was it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was just salt. Oh, well, I'm assuming that's a thing in Asian cultures. I, after the Lysol fiasco, I didn't want to like you, well, you know, know look up anything and be assume. horrified. Um, yeah, I I've never heard of brushing your teeth with salt. I I've figure it brushing... was one of those like wives' tales type of medicine things, just like turtles' eggs or penis soup. Or I did try salt. brushing my teeth with baking soda once, and it was disgusting. And did I've they also make toothpaste out of baking soda. Though? They do, and it's still pretty disgusting. And I've also tried using a fifty percent hydrogen peroxide and water solution to gargle and like you know rinse out my mouth, and that too was pretty terrible. Hmm. So I'm, you know what, I'm sticking with the uh, the ADA approved fluoride enhanced. Uh, toothpaste. Well, fine then. I'm bucking thousands of years of human tradition and going <laughs> with the new shit. Uh, human tradition? You're just making things up now. Yeah, no, no. I, I heard that like the ancient Egyptians used to brush their teeth with honey and sand. Oh, well, you know. Sounds like it would just give you cavities. Their pyramids are still standing. What do you say to that? I have nothing to say to that. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, we have our first flashback. Flashback Changer. And apparently Chang was a cute girl with an unfortunate acne makeup problem. Does this girl really have acne or is this makeup? Oh, that's makeup. Are you sure? I'm positive. I don't know. No, no, totally. That there is... are unfortunate cases of acne and I'm sure there's lots of them out there that can play a young Chang. I just assumed it was, I assumed it was makeup, but what, you know, what do I know? Uh, they're trying to, and by they, I mean, it looks like the... Asian matchmaker, the Chinese matchmaker lady, and her brother is trying to marry her off to um, a a player, it looks like. He's kind of well off. He's a snazzy dresser. Mm -hmm. And this guy's a dick, but he's basically saying, this girl's ugly. What the hell is... And she's also kind of a wet blanket. What the hell are you want? You know, what what do you want? Does this look like... Does this look like a good match? And he storms off. And her brother's pissed because apparently she eats too much Mm -hmm. and she's useless to help in the shop. Did he say that? Yeah, well, she said, I can help in the shop, and he's kind of like, whatever. Yeah. I was reading between the lines. I thought she was very helpful in the shop. It's just not her full potential is what I got out of it. Yeah, and she doesn't want to be sent back to China, so I don't know whether unless she can get married or find gainful employment that that's a danger. There was the, That felt like a danger that was quickly brushed aside in favor of um, dangerous bear gallbladder-based blots. Well, yeah, Plots. sending her back to China is more expensive than whatever else I feel like he can concoct to make money off of her. Mm. Either sell her to another man or have her just doing labor in his shop. Uh, so Judy King is being arraigned for tax evasion. And if you don't remember, Judy can- King is a um, kind of a plantation in a fun kind of way, sort of a sh- celebrity chef. Like a would-be Paula Deen. Yeah, like a like a less offensive Paula Deen. Why is uh, she less offensive? Because she has red hair? Well, I just feel like if she was full-on Paula Deen, Pousset wouldn't say she's like a plantation lady in a fun kind of way. I feel like this isn't the end of Judy King, and I don't feel like it's going to be a plantation in a fun way situation. Hmm. See, I was excited about them bringing in a Martha Stewart slash Paula Deen type yeah. and just have, like, you know... A more is, is, is like a version of Piper who's like super rich, super entitled, super skeeved out by everything, but we don't have to feel complicated about hating her. She can just be this imperious bitch. And also, like her going head to head against Red, mm-hmm. I, I'm like so excited for that potential. Just get some red on red action. Yeah. Yeah. Some king. King versus red. I don't. Like, I what's definitely... all more awesome than red in the kitchen? King in the kitchen. Yeah, I definitely don't think that this is going to be a cut and dry, we're going to hate Judy King through and through situation. Well, that's not the orange of the new black way. No. They're even trying to rehabilitate Healy, for God's sake. Unsuccessfully, I might add. Uh, Gloria, this is the other B kind of B plot. She's trying to find a ride for her son because she had that epic threat about, you know, bringing your homework here or I'm going to have my brothers make you piss yourself. And she needs someone to bring him here so she can carry out that threat. Uh. We talked about the girls all wanting King to come to Litchfield. Uh, Pusey has a critter, an actual real live squacoon, squacoon, a wild caught squacoon <laughs> that she has wiggling in her laundry bag. 
and Tasty decides, hmm, it's time to come clean. The Looney Tunes traps have paid off. We can't have Squacoons being strung up, you know, mob mob style violence. We we I can't let this happen. What I've learned so far from Orange is the New Black in the past few episodes is they're trying to tell us that it's really a bad idea to try to take control of someone else's life in order to make yourself feel better about it. Like with Piper lying to Red, mm. Tasty stealing uh Pusey's hooch. Mm. I feel like there's a theme going on here. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're onto something. We go to the Panty Factory where we meet Ruby Rose for the first time. Pilani is probably super excited for this episode because she's been waiting. Stella is her name. Her name's Stella? Oh, well, she'll always be Ruby. I always want to call Amber Rose, actually. Mm-hmm. I know that's Kanye's ex-girl, but what are you going to do? <laughs> Kanye's theme appropriate because most of what I know about the privatized prisons comes from his song, New Slaves. So, you know, I feel like I, re- I re- owe him a real debt. Hell my, of an education you got there. Hell of an education. Uh, but there are places, I thought there was a couple funny things. There's a lot of interesting things about women's body issues. And uh, Black Sydney's place in bets with Janae about how many pages into the underwear catalog we have to get in before we hit a sister. And how black will she be on a scale from one to Grace Jones? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's, it's true. And it turns out page 11, which is sooner than they thought, at page 14, but a two. A She's two. got blue eyes. Yeah. So, you know, it's, you, you win some, you lose some. Uh, Morello is seeing prison pin pals. And she it seems like she's customizing her pitch according to the man. And also her look. I love what she's Did doing. Did she? I yeah, didn't notice she, the look part. Yeah, the first time she had her, her normal hairdo, but she had like this dark red lip and the smoky eye. Uh, the next time she had the bangs and she was wearing very pale makeup, looking very natural. Huh. And then the third guy, she had the bangs with the ponytail. She's looking all cute and perky. Huh. I didn't know there's that much variation when there's khaki involved, but I'll, I'll take your word for it. I think it's a sign that she's trying to get her mojo back from mm. uh, losing Nikki. Well, she outright says it. Yeah. By the end. Yeah. Uh, but she also customizes her interest and also her crimes. Like this time, she's a notorious bank robber, I think. And oh. this guy's super into her because he's a big gun nut. Oh, this is when she pulls off the biggest jewel heist in Chandler, Arizona. There you go. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's, he's very sad for her because she'll never be able to buy a gun again because this country, uh, as much as we love guns, we won't let convicted felons buy them. What is wrong with this country? It's unconstitutional. Agreed. So anyway, moving on to the CEOs all storming Caputo's office. They're demanding uh, devil's food cake donuts. No, it's not devil's food. It's what? Velvet. Red velvet. God damn it. I messed up my donut joke. Demanding red velvet cupcakes or donuts? Damn it. I think I we should storm mine. out and demand red velvet cupcakes right now. From Jim? From Jim. Okay. <laughs> I, the man has like three packs of ketchup and a bottle of mustard in his fridge. I don't think he has those, but we can demand them. Because well, the, Caputo has no jobs, but the CEOs still feel free to jump in there and demand it. So I think we should get in on that. Let's just go out there and make him say that he loves us. <laughs> <laughs> we will be here all night. We would never. We will we'll we'll be, be here, here all for night. the rest of our lives. We'd never say that. Uh, anyway, uh, we go back to the kitchen area and Lawless has got a, got a scam that she is going to show the girls at Litchfield how it's done. Well, it seems like she's been running the scam for a while. She she's has. been in the prison. She knows her. She has. And outs of you know, food. her Lutheran Norwegian ways. She's, she's, <laughs> she's deploying the glory that is the kosher meal, which only Red knows where they're at because they're buried way deep in the freezer. No one ever asked for them. Uh, and... It's interesting because I thought the joke was going to be that they're just glorified microwave meals, but everybody loses their shit on them. Like these seem to be like really primo. Like these aren't these aren't um, the like the riblet meals that you get from the banquet. Ninety nine cents at Walmart. These are the like the Michelina, you know, deluxe. Yeah. You know, green broccoli and crisp vegetables kind of meals. I, I just don't see how, at this point, you know, Gloria is still making these fresh, home-cooked right. giant meals. Granted, you have the ingredients that you're given. Yeah. But I just don't see how that would ever be less interesting to eat than a frozen meal. 
Yeah, I I thought with uh, Chang's little pea deal that that meal looked rough. Peas and noodles. Yeah, like that. That was a little institutional. But yeah, when it seemed like that the prisoners eat fairly well. Yeah. In Litchfield. So I don't know, but I'll, I'll roll with it. I'll roll with it. Yeah. I mean, it's just like a school cafeteria lunch is what I imagine it is. It's not the best. It's edible. Yeah. You'll need it if you have to. Speaking of edible, uh, Chang steals a bunch of peas from the kitchen area. Question. And does Donaldson know and just I, not care? No, I think that this is the theme is that she's just invisible. Oh, right. She is. Chang is going to... Stuff all these peas into milk cartons and sneak them out because she's got her, uh, she's got her Chang invisibility powers, and they come in handy. And she mashes up Fritos. She adds water. She mashes the peas in there. She forms them into cakes, and she microwaves the bejesus out of them, and she eats them. And this hot sauce. Well, yeah, if you got some sriracha, that would probably make anything edible. Mm -hmm. But my my thought was this is nasty. Like I don't care what Gloria's serving. Kosher or not, this can't be good. Microwaved Fritos and peas, it just doesn't sound good. You know what? Maybe it's kind of like um, a ramen noodle type of thing where it sounds like it's not good, but then you add hot water to it and it's like, all right, I can live off this. But you know what to expect out of noodles. Hmm. I don't know. We should, we should for the next, the next time you're on the podcast, we should get some Frito-Lays and some peas and we should make up some of these frito pea cakes uh i think it tastes it looks like it tastes like a urinal cake but i don't know i hear you try it on lunch and jim and aaron and tell me if that works and then i will just believe you that is a hell of an idea okay that is a hell of an idea okay uh anyway uh soso is complaining to chang who she's uh been forced to shack up with because everything's break broken down on racial lines that she wants an asian family like the latinos and the white girls and the the black girls all have and chang says you're not even asian you're scottish it's interesting though the the kind of uh racism that soso is encountering hmm how so to, like be with your people. She's too. She's too Asian to have her own, you know, traditional group to sit with. Mm. But she's not Asian enough to sit with that group, right? If it existed, are there any other Asians that we've seen? I don't seen? think so. That's the thing. I think it's just Chang and her. And like she's complaining, it's like you know, uh, you got a drop of Asian blood in you, and suddenly you're made in China, just like this te- these toothbrushes. So it's like they just herd you all together. I still find it mind boggling that they practice segregation in prisons <sighs> like these women were assigned these bombs but you know everyone the inmates every all the research i've seen and all the inmates that have written in say that like by and large that's how the inmates prefer it that it's so much friction if you try to buck that system when have they ever though i'd like to see some actual examples and some research on them not doing that <laughs> you know the thing about Chang, and this is the fundamental difference is that I feel like they're showing her as living a solitary but very content life. Like one way, the way I read it is that she didn't like her brother and she didn't like the men in her life. And she probably grew to not respect the men that was working for her. And she likes being in prison where she can cook her own food and do her own thing and run the commissary and, and sneak oranges out to the shed and watch her stories on her awesome cell phone that has a really great data plan apparently who she got on the outside doing that oh i'm sure it's her it's her bear ball bear bladder gang the bbgs gallbladder notorious bbgs indeed indeed um but yeah we go to flashback we find out a brother is selling black market animal parts you know penis soup yep bear bile yep tie uh snake blood some of the other things they mentioned penis soup uh, the problem is that their market is dried up because there's a whole bunch of stuff in a storage shed that the cops or some immig- some kind of agency is keeping an eye on, mm-hmm. uh, and they, they need to wait for a couple months for it to settle down, and her brother says, you should take my sister, Chang, because she's invisible. Nobody, nobody will even notice her sneaking in and out. How? What do you mean? How, how? It, how? I don't understand how this conversation led to the end of this episode and absolutely what difference that made. 
Two vans showed up in a parking lot at night. All three of them exchanged goods and money in a parking lot at night. See, I... Does Chang being there have any difference? I I interpret that as this that, that that other plan worked, and this is sometime later. This is where she's worked up confidence that she can go on these rides. Now, I don't know why, just because the invisible woman was able to pull off the bare bladder heist... Mm-hmm. of you know 73 or whatever i don't know why that magically makes her to be like in the shotgun seat for all the other deals but that's how i interpreted it because mm-hmm. you're right it doesn't really make sense it doesn't match up with you know if i saw her walking down the street and then going into this warehouse and police officers noticing her but not noticing her at the same time then i think that would have jived for mm-hmm. me but just yeah, I don't. That this it was kind of a cool setup, later. and then they didn't didn't f- follow through. Or maybe that that was a maybe that scene was there, and they cut it for time. Right. I know these All like right. these. I, I always think it's crazy these Netflix things. You know, deciding that they have to be, you know, forty seven minutes long or whatever they are. It's like there's why. I guess they're looking ahead to syndication or something. Yeah. Anyway, um, then I feel like that's the scene that could have been cut leave in the scene of her actually putting the skills that she's famed to have to use instead of her gaining a favor that was the p heist you know you know you don't have to show the same skills being employed in moving of gall you just assume she can move peas she can move gall all right <laughs> um we're in the panty shop again and flacca flacca is complaining that uh these these you know, underwear models are your are having women chasing an unattainable ideal, which Black Cindy says, nah, because there's a ton of different ways that black women can be sexy. I don't and think then, she was disagreeing with her point. Mm, well, I mean, Black Cindy's just saying I'm a strong black. Oh, she's just saying that she doesn't care. Yeah. She's not chasing that standard. Yeah, that's something that we don't do. And then uh, Flacca throws Beyonce in her uh, face, which is dangerous. Anytime you get throw in Bay into yeah. the, the the equation, using the Lord's name in vain. Uh, I like the Black Sydney calls Flaca Morticia. That's pretty funny. That that was pretty funny. And then they all agree that the white girls have it the easiest because all they got to do is be skinny. Yeah. So. Is this bringing you down? Is it bringing me down? Yeah. That women have to chase an unachievable standard, pretty much every day, but. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the, I, it's a complex situation. I just saw something on Reddit where they showed, um, like, really atrocious examples of photoshops on, like, Faith Hill. Faith Hill's a beautiful woman. Yeah. And they put her on the cover of some magazine, and they made her arms half as skinny as they are in real life. Yeah. And they, it's like, it's just some of the crazy shit that they do. They they lengthen women's, like, like they digitally lengthen their legs. Yeah. And they'd skinny their arms yeah. and move and make their eyes like 50% larger and wider apart. They Barbie doll them. It's the animification. Yes, Barbie mm-hmm. doll's better. I was mm-hmm. going to go with animification. I don't know that word. <laughs> the animification. Hmm. Uh, Still unfamiliar to me. <laughs> Please well, continue. <laughs> anyway, um, then we have another discussion that's kind of the same thing where Piper's asked the pirate lady with the squid. With the octopus on her chest, mm-hmm. uh, what did she used to wear back in her day? Mm-hmm. And uh, pirate lady says, "I used to wear fuck all because my philosophy is fuck them all. <laughs> you, you, you you get the you get the banging or you get off the pot." And Piper believes in the power of the perfect panties to make you feel powerful. And Ruby Rose says, "That's all bullshit." And you are one of those skinny white girls, and fuck you and your body image issues. It's true. None of these women are wrong. Um, none of them are right either. That's the thing. I like, think it's your own personal sense of self and beauty yeah. that should determine. I guess that's the whole theme of the episode, isn't it? We're mm. breaking down barriers here. <laughs> yeah. I feel like you should just love yourself for who you are. Mm-hmm. But they are encouraging you. Magazines and movies and things like this are encouraging you to uh, chase an unachievable standard. Speaking of my newly invented word, animification, uh, Morello's with the anime guy. Mm-hmm. Want to talk about harsh, harsh stereotypes? Uh, this is a this is a fat, basement dwelling, anime loving, comic con fighting, neck beard nerd, mm-hmm. and uh, 
Morello is is expected to be uh, repulsed by him, and she pretty much is. Right? Is she? I don't think she is until he says he doesn't like fatties. Well, that's the thing. They they had to make it like I said, she was totally into it until he got ugly with his personality. That's the other that's the other the these the stereotype trifecta is this guy also is completely unreasonable in his, his standards for uh his partner's beauty. They can't be fat, they have to be height and weight proportional, they have to have a symmetrical face, you know, no fatties or no fuglies for this guy. Uh in her favor, she's able to play the hipster nerd anime card and cite Daya's uh, <laughs> animal-human hybrid stuff, which... pretty good. Yeah, it actually... I was like, man, how is she going to get out of this? Because she doesn't know shit about anime. But then when she mentioned this, uh, oh, I, you know, have you ever heard of this Dianara Diaz? And he's, he's clearly impressed that she knows mm-hmm. about some obscure anime that he doesn't. So it was kind of fun. Animal hybrid thing. Oh, because she made the comics last year. She does all the time. I mean, that's kind of her thing. She likes doing the anime style artwork. Right. But the animal human hybrid. Yeah. Her comics. Specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Red tries to make peace with Healy and she goes in there to try to, you know, make peace with him and he's not having it. And he said, you essentially you used me and you made me you made me feel bad about myself. And she goes, oh, you're right, I forgot. You go home to your freedom, and you lock me here at night. And there's this great quote she's got. You take a woman's power, her work, family, and currency. She's left with the one coin she has left, the one she was born with it, and it may be tawdry, but she will spend it. And then she says, but you're right, and she pats him on his chest. Your feelings count, too. Just blows him out of the water. And then Red goes and tosses her Bravosi coin into the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> and Jack and fishes it right back out for her. Uh, let's talk about Caputo and Danny. Uh, they're drinking at the bar, and Caputo's talking about... We find some disturbing things about Caputo. He talks about a lemon juice enema, which I thought was just hyperbole. And then he says, what, your mother never gave you one? I'm like, ah, this is uh, some American Horror Story flashbacks. I've never heard of that before, ever. How many lemons do you have to... I mean, that's the practicality of squeezing that many lemons. You realize you can just buy lemon juice in a jar. Oh, I did not. <laughs> yep. Okay. Well, all right. Then what, lemon your mother juice never in... gave you one? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, she did not. Uh, but uh, here's Danny's argument. You got to cut down the guard's hours because, you know, a full 40-hour work week with benefits gives them too much time around the prisoners and... They need that break so they can decompress and be better prison guards. Hmm. Do you think he believes this bullshit? No. I think he read about it in some statistics or business manager's magazine. Mm-hmm. Something like that. And uh, he's 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 selling it. He's not buying it for himself. Hmm. It's a pyramid scheme. But he's going to sell it. <laughs> he's he's going to have you sell it. It's all about keeping the downstream. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's all about keeping the downstream <laughs> happy. I think that... It's interesting because I thought last episode that Caputo was getting wising up to him, and maybe this is a this is a a light getting brighter situation. This is the dawn breaking, but it, the sun hasn't come up over the horizon because all Danny had to do is like, you know what? I for some crazy reason HR is funneling all these new hires to me. You should be the one to do actually to to, to pick through this, Joe. You should do all this, you know, Charlie work for me. Yeah. And Caputo's kind of lights up like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I, I want to be in charge of the hiring. I still I still cannot get a proper read on Danny. He seems like he's full of shit, but I have yet to see a reason why. Maybe he's just one of those people who seems like they're full of shit, but is actually this is have, him being genuine. Have you ever heard of the Peter Principle? No. This is a management thing that people are promoted to their level of incompetence. And that's the reason they 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 arise to a certain level and they stay there. Mm-hmm. Um, if they were good at their job, they'd be promoted to the next level. So you get promoted just past your your capabilities, and then you kind of flounder until you die. And I wonder if that's if that's Danny that he has been promoted. Uh, he's worked his way up, and he's been talented, and he's been a good bean counter, or whatever. And now he's managing this kind of prison complex, and he has no idea what he's doing he's trying to parrot the orders from on high and he's trying to deflect the bullshit from down below and just just survive i don't think he's doing a bad job i 
If that's his job, then he seems to be doing well. Well, maybe he's got one more promotion in him. (laughs) Pacifying Caputo. Uh huh. Because at the end of the day, every time Caputo comes to him, he he ends up buying the shit he's selling. And uh, I'm not for this idea, Mm -hmm. but in terms of saving money for the company, hiring more guards and paying the one the existing ones no benefits Mm -hmm. is effective. Yeah, oh yeah. It's it's from a dollars and cents perspective, this is brilliant. From a human misery perspective, it's abhorrent. How much money are they making off of whispers? A lot. Those yeah. those paintings were what ninety dollars. Yeah, and they're paying the prisoners a dollar to make them. Mm-hmm. Piper's at forty five cents, but maybe that's the, how much she makes per pair because it takes her two hours to make a pair of paint. I don't know. It seems like you're pretty slow there, Piper. Like Flocka is is sewing you into the ground. Is but, she taking uh, out commissary tax? Is there? A, oh yeah, probably. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, anyway, Black Cindy notices the kosher fare and decides that uh, she's going to want to try to get some of that. Piper gives Alex a naughty catalog pick as a pinup girl, mm-hmm. and they're almost cute. And then they get into debate about whether profiting from prison labor is ethical and whether it's like slavery, which that perks up the ears of black Cindy and Janae. And mm-hmm. they're like, uh, no, thank you. We will determine what is and is not slavery and getting paid a dollar an hour is pretty sweet in here. <laughs> so the, 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 the tribe has spoken. The council has ruled. This is not slavery. It's more of indentured servitude. It absolutely is. You're getting paid for it. You're getting fed and a place to sleep. That's, the definition of it yeah a lot of the girls are concerned with morello that she's going all in on this guy thing and she's fishing into a very uh, very shallow pool for men yeah. and she's like you got it all wrong i'm all about hooking bozos and getting paid because these dudes they see a pretty face they see a doll face like mine and they just stuff my box <laughs> full of money your commissary her commissary okay. box They're full of money in her box all right yeah they <laughs> there's no conjugals. There's no even touching in this prison. So there's no no stuffing of anything but the commissary box. How do you get conjugal visits? I don't know, but it's a thing. I know. Like wh- when and where and how? I you know, I do saw you have a doc to be in maximum security. So do you remember in school, elementary school, like when they had no. religious education? No. They didn't have religious education at your school? Maybe this No, is I went the... to a public school for I did too. Sake. I did too. Oh, well then. And I was the kid that oh, sat in right. the library with the Amish kid because we weren't allowed to be taught the devil religion of the other kids. But my point was they had religious education, so like once every other week, the they they, they see this is the brilliant thing. Um my small town school had decided that, you know, you got to keep separation of church and state, right? Mm-hmm. So they had a religious class. So you had, they had a trailer that was physically separate. You had, had to walk like 50 <laughs> yards across a grass thing to this trailer and all the kids would learn about Jesus for 30 minutes or so. And then they come back. And that was religious education. But I saw a documentary. The reason I was because it looks like the conjugal visits, at least in this one prison I saw, they're literally like that. They're a series of trailers. They're kind of on the back you lot. You learned about this in your religion class? No, no, no. I didn't go to religion class. Keep up. You I did said go I s- for thirty minutes a day. No, I other kids went. I sat with the Amish kid in the library. Jesus. I don't think there was an Amish kid at your school. Well, you're wrong. There was. Maybe he's a Mennonite. I didn't yes. really pay much attention Pretty to. Sure he wasn't he's much Mennonite. of a talker. Okay. Uh, anyway, you I just didn't read. Speak German? No, I just read my comic books and watched them give me the evil eye. Anyway, this prison setup is they had like a set of six trailers, mm-hmm. like little small, like FEMA disaster style trailers, and the prisoners would actually reserve those, and their wife or girlfriend would come in and they'd conjugate inside those little trailers, and there was like a little place where they could prepare a meal together, mm-hmm. and there's a bed and a couch where they could watch TV, and you had so much time. And then you had to rotate out. And you got to watch this in your religion class in middle school. <laughs> I, we had cameras wired up to those things. It was quite an education. It was sex slash religion education all at once. Well, I know how a conjugal visit looks. I've seen Arrested Development, for Christ's sake. Ah. Uh, <laughs> all right. I don't think that's quite... Yeah, well, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I mean, they show you the inside of a trailer and just the shitty little... You know what? Maybe the documentary and... I was actually thinking of was Arrested Development. <laughs> the documentary style footage just just got me. <laughs> Maybe we should get back on track here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Chang sneaks a cache of oranges into her little TV watching shack. And she gets hit in the head of the basketball. And I guess that's maybe why you're sad because she got hit with a basketball and none of the other girl, girls like her. No, she was awesome about it. Okay. 
Because she said, I mean, it looked like an accident. No one wung that ball in her head. No, I think it's sad because you can tell that Chang wants or at one point did want companionship and decided that that wasn't for her or her lifestyle. Why do you think she wanted companionship? Because I I read her as very deeply unsure about this gentleman call her that was going to marry her. She seemed very concerned about him. We'll we'll get to it later. I'll tell you about it in a few scenes. All right. Now, she might have had a thing for that foo kid, the one that she saved. I just found that to be like a brother sister type thing but that wasn't her brother foo was a different guy that's why i said type thing oh their brother and sister i don't know they talked about boners and penises and stuff let's they talked about penis soup working for boners in china okay i mean you don't talk that i guess this dude did have a very tall blonde uh cigarette cigarette smoking american woman that scared the shit yeah so maybe yeah chang's not her, her her his type yeah Anyway, uh, speaking of the getting hit in the head of the ball, it's the A team van oh, parked wait. by a wait, harbor, wait, wait. and it's very wait. cool. Before you go, don't cut me off when I'm talking about the A team van. Shut number your one, mouth right now, A team van. Don't make me use the sit down gun. <laughs> Chang, the shed that Chang came out of. Did you notice that that's got the little box mounted on the chain link fence? Yeah, that's Diane. That's Diane Bennett's, Bennett's plate, place. secret place. How many of their meetings do you think she's witnessed? How many hand jobs did she hear? Hand jobs. That's how they guess, you know. That's not what I'm asking. All right. I don't know, but you got to wonder. I think when I was watching this the first time, that was my first thought is, oh, shit. Is this going to blow up somehow in Bennett and or Daya's face? Except for Bennett's been gone for like three episodes, so. Yeah, no, I never felt that, that they were at risk. I'm just curious how many times she's sitting there watching her soap operas and turn it off to see something better outside oh, right. the window. <laughs> yeah, like a hand job. Yeah. Uh, anyway, 18 van. Yeah, uh, we found out something shocking about Chang. She's a moonwalk atheist. She just doesn't believe in it. It's not a dance. Uh, she's also a penis soup and snake blood atheist, which, you know, I I, I admire that about her. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, because it's weird because this is kind of dovetails into male insecurity and female insecurity because, right. you know, dudes need things to make them feel powerful. Nobody ever feels good about themselves. Yeah, no, really. That's the human condition. We all think we're fat, globular meat sacks because we kind of are. And we, we have gross, we shit comes out of our pores. Except for me, I look awesome. And you don't, you you don't shit. Yes, I do. When I still look awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but it smells no more than a warm biscuit. No, it smells like shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, foo is being ripped off because this is supposed to be um, supposed to be bear gallbladders, and they are in fact white ping pong. No, balls. they weren't supposed to be bear gallbladders. Oh. There you go. They're turtle eggs. There you you're go. Right, you're right. We had a completely different scheme. We just blew this this thing wide open. Yep, the bear are... gallbladder scheme got cut in editing. <laughs> these are Venezuelan turtle eggs. But they're they're in fact ping pong balls. What a stupid idiot Foo is. How do you pick up a box of eggs? Yeah, can you imagine if you with paid the like of a ping pong ball? Well, I bet turtle eggs are pretty not weightless. Pretty... That's true. <laughs> That's true. But yeah, no, this guy doesn't seem like he's a brain trust. But she detects that it's a scam, mm-hmm. uh, and things go badly. This this uh, Korean gentleman's about to kill Fu, and Chang picks up a tire iron and whacks the guy. Does she kill him? No. I can't. No. Ah, from where we see her at the end of the episode, uh, maybe she didn't. But like, what do you? I mean, you, this guy tried to kill them. They're criminals. Like, I feel like you almost have to kill them. Or else that shit's going to blow back on you. If watching Five Years of the Wire taught me anything, <laughs> it's you don't crowbar a guy in the side of the head and just leave it at that. Bad idea. Well, I think that's because you've been watching too many movies. I think once you <laughs> knock a guy out and you can get your money back, maybe slash his tires a little bit, then you leave, you go home, don't do business with that person anymore. It's like going into Walmart. No, you just leave him a Yelp review. That's what you do. <laughs> exactly. Uh, bought yolk. turtle eggs, got ping pong balls. Will you know? Zero F minus minus will not <laughs> will not black market again. <laughs> uh, anyway, the job candidates are all jokes. We got one with uh, a nuanced view of what a felony is. We got another that got fired from Radio Shack for creative differences, which Caputo assumes means swastika. Yes. Probably a fair assumption. Yes. Um, oh, poor Radio Shack. The butt of so many jokes, and now it's it's 
it's out it's out the door. No, it is a joke itself. Uh, but yeah, Maxwell does not want to hear him bitching about the difficulty of fire finding more part time work because she says, "Guess what? I have an ideal candidate to fill this position. She's right here. I even have the uniform." Mm-hmm. And uh, point point taken. But Caputo's frustrated, and then she pulls out the "I miss Fig." That's 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 some low blow shit right there. I understand that this is comfortable and everything because it's the job you have. Why aren't any of these people kind of fighting back? Why aren't they going out on job interviews and trying to look for new work with, you know, their experience and their know-how and all these valuable work skills? If you've been a prison guard for like 10 years, I don't it's not like there's, there's tons there's of plenty, prisons in there the community. There absolutely are. Really? There's tons of prisons in New York. In upstate New York? I feel like, you know, yeah, you might have to drive it's a an very hour densely or populated area. Hmm. I don't know. I I just assume that that's a very or find a line of work somewhere else that's less awful. Well, that's that's hard to do. Maybe you know? be a night cop at a mall. I mean, if you've got like 15 years seniority and you're getting paid a certain amount to switch careers, uh, probably involves a pay cut, involves travel, involves change that you don't really want. Well, they're going to be Especially... changing regardless. And here's they're the not thing: benefits. I'm just saying, why not look for something that you need? I'm going to play internet advocate. This is something that Jim likes to do to me. It could be that the reason they're sitting around here is because Caputo has said, I love you guys. and I'm going to fix this. So, like, it could be that he is actually keeping them in this shitty situation by giving them hope. He's essentially dannying them the way Danny is. He's Caputoing them the way Danny is dannying Caputo. I'm just saying, I feel like to play that game well, you have to also go out and say, well, you're trying to hire new people. I'm looking at a new job. I got this offer from this other place. I think I might go there. How do you, how does that make you feel? Uh, if yeah. all, you know, two, three of the more senior guards like Maxwell, Ford. No, I mean, that's the, the employees have more power than they realize. But Caputo in this scene is saying, look, give me some time. Give me this is going to fail in a month or two. And then I'll say I need my guys back full time and everything will be happy. And mm-hmm. it's like, eh. You know, Grin and Barrett, we'll see. I, I feel for the guy. I mean, that's, that's a shitty situation to be stuck in. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other theme of this episode, besides body image, uh, is manipulation. Because Healy tries to suck up the Caputo, and he's like, hey, I got full confidence in you. Us old-timers got to stick together. I got your back all the way. And Caputo's genuinely moved. Like, it's Healy, but he's like, thanks. I really appreciate that. Healy then slapped some 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 paperwork said, "Hey, could you sign this for me?" And it's a work order to transfer Red to the kitchen, mm-hmm. which you know Caputo's like. Last time she was here, she ran this whole black market deal, et cetera, et cetera. But it seems like Red scored a direct hit on this guy, uh, and he's he's paying the manipulation forward, and it worked. Mm-hmm. And side uh, boob, side boob, side boob solidarity. <laughs> some of that old SBS. I I noticed that Caputo's feet are huge in this scene. Mm-hmm. Is that a prop? Is that a is that a um, is that a wardrobe deal to suggest his his inner beer can nature, or is that just the fact that the guy who plays Caputo has big feet? Did you know? Or maybe the guy who plays Caputo just really is hung like a beer can. Did you know that your penis is the exact length of the inner part of your thumb to the tip of your index finger? I did. I did know that. So I think it's your hands you got to keep an eye out for. And I know that your feet. Or as long as your wrist to your inner elbow. Mm-hmm. That's exactly how so long the really, gap between my thumb and forefinger is, too. It's incredible. The cock size is all in the arms. <laughs> and the cock. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, if I could make a masturbation joke about the forearm size being tied to the cock, too. But I I, I guess I just did. Can you we'll move. your forearm to your cock to masturbate? <laughs> God, you're so weird. Uh, yeah, it's all about the rubbing the forearms together. <laughs> It's like Indian. It's like it's it's an Indian burn form of masturbation. It's, it's exquisite. Anyway, uh, back in the um, the the panty concentration camp, Piper is trying to optimize the fabric use, and she mentions to the Whisper guy, "Hey, we could get an extra pair of panties." We could, and he's like, "Shut up, inmate." Whispers doesn't care, and okay, fine. We will see how the wheels turn inside Piper's head and what she comes up with. Mm-hmm. Gloria comes in to see Sophia because she wants her neck shaved. Nothing fancy. Uh, they have another kind of body image thing about, like, you know, why are you trying to go full-blown woman all the time? Why are you trying to look so good? If you want to be a real, quote-unquote, real woman, you need to grow out your roots and have bags on your eyes. 
Yeah. And this leads to a discussion about a sexual harassment experience that Sophia had on the Metro North, Mm -hmm. which perks up Gloria's ears because that means that her wife has to roughly come by. Takes the Metro North. Yeah, the the, the par- north. I don't know my New York geography. I've only been there two or three times, but it seems like that they're traveling the same route. Yeah, Gloria's kid can take an easy bus to the Sophia house, mm-hmm. and then that family can you know carpool him up to the prison. Yeah, and Sophia says, "I will talk to my wife about that." Mm-hmm. Uh, Morella's with the Birdman that she's been cramming for, and turns out he's not at all a Birdman. He's kind of like a Jersey Shore type Guido. And she's all about that. And she realizes she might have destroyed her chances. And she breaks down and crying. Says, I was just lonely. The only person ever cared about me sent away. And he's totally into her. I think it's adorable how she's a really good liar. She convinced all these other assholes that she was into the same things that they are. But at the same time, as soon as she was caught in the lie, even before he knew it, she gave everything away. On her face. Which tells me that the Guido is actually smarter than the gun nut and the anime fan. It's like a rock, paper, scissors deal. And the Guido stands atop the whole the whole hierarchy. Mm-hmm. So I he's guess it's cute. not a rock, paper, scissors situation at all. It's more yeah. just a natural hierarchy. So he's into Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It's delicious. And also... I like how you have to flip the green card over to red so they can keep bring you more jiu-jitsu. <laughs> wow. <laughs> also... Whose interests are that cut and dry? If you were to start writing me about something, I couldn't say, I'm into this thing definitively, so let's talk about only that. This is how you'll know me, is I'm the person who's into... I can't even think of a generic thing I'm into right now. Uh, there, but, you know, like, you're, you're familiar with the concept of a basic bitch. <laughs> yes. There are basic I've dicks. There, there, are, there are basic dicks out there. You see them on reality television. They are there are people that are that shallow and that kind of one dimensional. And yeah. Connor Morello's like that too. She doesn't have a lot of depth to her. Yeah, her interests are getting her dolled up. Looks, yes, and making herself feel good. Exactly. Um, at any at any cost. So it's like I I felt like that they they seemed like a, a fair match. They seemed like a fair match. Yeah. No, I like them. They're cute together. I just thought it was. It was curious. Mm. I'm into Brazilian jiu-jitsu. That's what I tell everyone about. That's how you should know me. I just, I don't know. Well, he wants to be an Maybe MMA I'm fighter. Nitpicking. He he wore his nice clothes. I mean, he left his Affliction t-shirt behind. <laughs> uh, we then go to Gina, uh, who used to be Red's kitchen assistant that got burned by the grease. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that she's putting on a play. She's directing a play in... Um, uh, shit, what is the new... <laughs> Rogers, Bertie Rogers, Bertie Rogers, Rogers uh, drama class slash kind of emotional outlet hour. Uh, and it's about her mo- reconciling with her dead mother. It's really cute how it's, understated it is that it really this actually is. has worked out Gina's feelings. At yeah. first, she's talking about running her mother over with a riding lawnmower. Mm-hmm. But what actually came out was that she made up with her mother in the afterlife and she got some closure about that. And it was a very small, understated yeah. thing that happened. But I and like you could tell that she was genuinely moved. It's like you know yeah. she's watching and is like now hug, and then Suzanne stands up and says, "Saying the dead people can give hugs back is irresponsible, irresponsible because she just had her breakthrough. She did, you know, two episodes ago, and uh, it kind of almost leads to fight. Birdie diffuses it and she says, "Who's going next?" And Chang too has a play. She does. Chang's ready. Which we have another we now have another flashback Chang episode and the douchey not A-list guy. Business husband guy got brought in to be worked over for rejecting her, essentially. Mm-hmm. And then we go back to the in the middle of the play whose sister's Ing, sister Ingle is playing Chang and she's lording it over Leanne. I like how how this was written and read in broken English. It was, yeah, it's, it, and it's very much like um, a House of Flying Daggers style, like very, you know, it, it's not, it's not just broken English, but it's very that way in its in, in its sentiment. Like I, you know, it's now time for me to die. I recognize your wisdom and your mastery over this, and then it looked like they do Harry Carey. Or seppuku, but I thought that was a Japanese thing, but whatever. Maybe it's Angie's freelancing. Pretty sure she just killed herself. I love her. Herself. I love her blood spray. Yeah, that was great. 
So the next step is Sister Ingalls uh, is to say, I'm supposed to cut out his. And she cuts off, says, I just can't do this. It's disgusting. And Birdie calls uh, timeout. And everybody's kind of uncomfortable. And Suzanne. No, no, no. She said, I, she said, no, cut out his gallbladder. And then she said, no, I'm going to eat his. Oh. <laughs> I think it was going to go with the, uh, the penis, penis soup. soup. Mm-hmm, penis soup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, she calls it into Suzanne liked it, and then Chang stands up and says, it's "Too far to be constructive, but it's all fake showbiz." Showbiz with the jazz so hands. So cute with her hands. I love that. You know, the first time I saw this, I thought she was, she was it, that was an accusation yeah. to the crowd, like you are all fake. You're all show. You're 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 too afraid to look at the real shit. Oh. But then when I saw it the second time, I was like, oh, she's trying to be like, relax, everybody. This is just my See, this true is, crime noir. This is another reason why it makes me feel sad. Is that she's trying to tell the story and make herself feel better retroactively, sure. but she's not telling the honest story. And Isn't she? No, she's not. Because from this story, she kills the guy and she's like, now I'm going to eat his whatever and cut off. Uh-huh. The real story ends with him before he dies. He'd never admitted that he was wrong. Oh, yeah. She admitted he was right. She walked out. He died right. anyway. But you're right. The gall. I thought you were going to like disputing. No, the gallbladder was very much a real thing. But you're right. It was opposite of him admitting that yeah. he was wrong and all that stuff. And she wants to be accepted. So that's why when it wasn't received well, she said that it was fake and everyone just pretended it never happened. <laughs> uh, I love Black Cindy demanding her kosher meal. Shabbat and, shalom, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Sending uh, her packing. Uh, Pusey and Tasty talk things out. You can tell that there's been some tension since uh, Honeygate has occurred. <laughs> And uh, Pusey says, look, I hate this place. It's beating me down. Drinking makes me feel better. Um, Tasty says, you should come to AA night with me. And you could tell that maybe this is something they've done before. Mm-hmm. Because it seems like... And it this seems, seems like, like a very tasty some, thing to do. It seems like something that Tasty does religiously. Uh-huh. Is, is treat AA like it's open mic night. Poetry slammer. <laughs> Moth presents. Uh, but what broke me hard is Pusey saying... Did it break ye heart? <laughs> Well, I'm Scottish. I'm like so-so. Uh, break me a heart. I, she says I need a girlfriend. And this is kind of sad because, you know, Pusey made a play for Tasty last year. Yeah. And that blew up in her face and was terrible. And she's just very lonely. And well, she's got no girl here. Here is another example of making bad choices because you don't have enough confidence or, in, or you're insecure. Mm. It's really bad idea to try to fill some sort of void or hole in yourself with another person. Hmm. When you invest your happiness in someone else, you won't be happy. Hmm. I do. Yeah, I agree that you have to first be happy within yourself before you can entertain the idea of making someone else happy. Someone can further your enjoyment of life and you can have take pleasure in furthering their enjoyment. Sure. But if you count on them for your soul reason to not be depressed and an alcoholic then i don't agree she does not need a girlfriend right now right just my thought hmm. maybe she yeah needs I, I do i will give her a pass because she's in prison and i understand what it, I, I i get being lonely mm-hmm. like you know and you're right good choices bad choices but i see what she means she does need to work on not being an alcoholic mm-hmm. and not having substance abuse problem or all yes. those things um you know before she starts dating but you know we'll see uh, maybe we'll be like a Silver Linings Playbook situation. They can heal each other. I'm not saying that Pusey's feelings are not valid because you do not need a reason to be clinically depressed. But it seems like Pusey's got it easier <gasps> than some of the other inmates. Oh, I yeah. mean, she just seems like a naturally positive person. She's got a great friend and uh, tasty. She's got a job that doesn't suck. Well, I guess it kind of does now. You know what, though? There's no books. Hearing you say that makes me think that being a naturally bubbly, outgoing person must really suck if you're suffering from depression. Yeah. Because if people know you like that, and then it's like, man, I'm really down. No, you're Poussey. You're always writing fan fiction in the library and making honey for... Like, you can already hear people shutting her down and not wanting to hear it. Yeah. I guess I'm wording myself poorly. I it makes me sad to see Pusey being depressed because she has 
as far as circumstances go, it's not terrible. Mm -hmm. Suzanne's not harassing her anymore. (laughs) She's not beating shit and breaking her ribs, no. She's lonely and she's just dealing with it poorly. She's not getting threatened by a very scary uh person with a gang of females that carry broken broomsticks and yeah it's 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 quality of life improvement sure (laughs) you know what makes me sad red velvet seeing a chubby guy have another donut meltdown in the same episode (laughs) because he sees the donut guy coming out of caputo's office he's applying for a job and he's brought this red velvet monstrosity into his house Mm -hmm. and he says no and he takes the red velvet out of his hand and he slams it on his desk in, in protest. <laughs> uh, then Metaphors. we have a scene. We, we, I, there's an interesting scene of Piper modeling underwear, um, you know, to make herself feel good. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was interesting how they used this just really shitty fluorescent prison lighting to kind of like. And like the warped mirror reflection. To, to kind of give you an idea of like a person as conventionally attractive as Piper can still feel really bad about herself. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I I thought that was kind of a very interesting way to take. And Chang sees her, and Chang says, like, I didn't see anything because no, Piper's kind of first she says she looks like Bo Derek yeah. in 1981 Tarzan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh but uh Piper apologized to her for being awful and mm-hmm. being insensitive to her, and she says, I accept your apology, lesbian. This was a scene specifically that made me feel sad about Chang. Ah, why is, is that? that- Chang has unconventional interests and unconventional looks, so she's got a, a harder time making friends, finding lovers, things like that. Um, so I don't think she ever found a way to conventionally connect mm-hmm. with people. So complimenting a woman on her appearance naked when you've just caught her in a private moment. Yeah. Probably not a good idea, but uh, that's what made me feel sad. All right, I can see that. I can see that. Uh, Red retakes the kitchen, or at least a very small uh, uh, supporting role, replacing Flaka as Rebel Girl by Bikini Kill plays wait, out, and it's pretty wait, wait. pretty awesome. What you, you, you skipped the scene of the actual end? Oh shit! Out. You're right. I did. Yeah. I did. Uh, it's the pretty big scene. The the would-be husband uh, rejects her utterly and says, "You can do whatever you want to me, but you'll still be ugly." And nobody will like you. And she says, that's true. Cut out his gallbladder. Yeah. And it looks like she was pretty happy. She was had mixed feelings about feeling bad about herself, but taking great joy in seeing a terrible Yeah, you know what will make me feel better? Seeing this guy scream. Mm. Uh, so, yeah. Then Rebel Girl by Bikini Kill. And we've got some feedback. If you'd like to send us feedback, you can do so by sending email to orange at baldmove.com. Please put the episode title or episode number in the subject line so I can keep all this stuff all nice and neat and organized. Uh-huh. Uh, you can also get on our forums at forums.baldmove.com to discuss Orange and New Black. Emily H. wrote us in, a local girl. She says, I have a bachelor's and master's degree in criminal justice from the University of Cincinnati. Go Bearcats. I also have many friends that continued on to their PhDs and are and have been professors over a de- with over a decade and work on a variety of research in the area of correction, correction management, efficacy of corrections programs etc and this is an email talking about privatized prisons she says the general belief is that the privatized corrections industry took on the job of an overpopulated government system that could no longer sustain sustain itself sustain sustain itself parenthetically she says thank you war on drugs slash the phenomenon of cultural criminalization Mm -hmm. one thing leads to another and there you go privatization is a panacea approximately 10 percent of our prisons are private and one company the cca uh, which I hear teamed up the DEA, uh, which is stands for the Corrections Corp of America. Um, their profits have grown 500% in two decades. It's a very profitable industry locking people up. And by the way, I, I want to take this, I want to interrupt Emily's email to recommend watching the documentary The House I Grew Up In because one of the interesting things he does is there's like a five or 10 minute sequence where he goes to a prison industry convention, like a trade show. And some of the marketing materials and flyers and glossy handouts these people are handing out where they're bragging about, like, what a great investment opportunity. Look how many people are thrown in prison. Recidivism is like 75%, which means 
not only is it a growth industry, but we get repeat customers because we don't do uh, shit to rehabilitate these people. Oh they come God. right back. No, they're they're bragging about these in fucking bullet points. Wow. And uh, how is this legal? What kind of country are we living in? Anyway, uh, Emily has a little bit more of a nuance to it, um, but I do recommend you watch that show because it's awesome. It's got a lot the of house I grew up in. Is it on Netflix? It is. It's a free free watch on Netflix. Um, anyway, uh, it says the show does a g- decent job of exhibiting the limits of the system, exploitation of the prisoners, the correction employees pay and benefits at, and jobs at risk. Also, staff training standards are arguably different than the traditional government military style police academy, all while the uh, the BOD walks away with a profit. I'm not sure what that stands for, but I'm sure it's some kind of prison thingy magic. I'm sure it means hot bod. <laughs> while the bod walks away with a sachet and a profit you hate to see it go but you love to watch it leave <laughs> civil liberties groups argue that there's very little data supporting a great cost savings in private prisons academic and public studies lean towards the same plus there's evidence of a disproportion of minorities in private prisons they are considered cheaper to incarcerate than inmates like piper wonder why that would be Maybe specific they're... to private prisons yeah i thought that was how all prisons operated well, but I'm saying that there's l- less oversight, and I guess these segments of the population are less educated about their rights, and they're less likely to complain about rights abuses. I think I'm going to throw up. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Uh, I'm speaking very generally across several state, federal regions, different populations, and across varying levels of security. We can't say it's all good or all bad. It has just picked up some much-needed needed slack, but it also has great social and economic flaws. Over time, policy, civil law, and class action suits will pressure the system to adjust, regulate, and involve, much like our public prison system since the early 1900s. That's the hope. I mean, I, I agree. Like, there's nothing that's all good or all bad. But just from what I've seen, the profit motive of incarcerating human beings is a very, very dark place to go. Um, and you're talking about a, a you're talking about a population who can't vote ever, who's disenfranchised permanently from society and is, you know, statistically speaking, poor, less educated, et cetera, more disadvantaged. And you are locking them up for profit. And it, it seems like all of the, you know, capitalism works when you've got the the carrots and sticks working towards a way that kind of benefits society. Mm-hmm. And in this situation, it seems like all the carrots and all the sticks are fucking over your inmates and spending as little money as you possibly can on them. Yeah, I don't think I have anything to add to that. Yeah, but I appreciate... Uh, I Besides appreci- vomiting live on air. <laughs> I appreciate the email, Emily. And uh, if you got anything else to chime in on the rest of the season, please send it in to orange at baldmove.com. Or again, you can discuss all these episodes on forums.baldmove.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. We've 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 done it again. Uh, Cecil will be back about four episodes from now, I think. Unless someone else shits the bed. <laughs> She's calling <laughs> calling all all y'all out, all y'all out on this shit. Uh, but no, seriously, thank you, thank you for uh, pinch hitting and uh, for keeping the podcast going. That'll do it for this episode. Thanks again for listening. Thanks to Cecily for pitching in. And we will see you guys next time. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Cecily. Bye-bye.